Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, the Lions opened up the game on Sunday extremely strong, went out to a big 21-0 lead, played just well enough at the end to hold on to a 33-28 victory over the New Orleans Saints down at the Superdome this week. Lions go visit the Bears. Lions 9-3, and best record since 1962. Mm. How are you feeling? I, I feel fine. I feel I feel confident. I feel I'm I I'm happy in trying to embrace the 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 rare thing that is happening in front of us. Um it's been what that's 60 years since yeah. uh yeah. they've had a record like this. And um I feel like there's a lot, well, not a lot. There's a portion of the fan base that's uh getting caught up and looking for the the negative and looking for waiting for the other shoe to drop and sure. uh and, and and I think it's important to take a breath and and recognize that this is something that unless you're you know in your 70s you probably haven't seen before you know what I mean and maybe not even then it's it's, it's a rare thing to 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 watch what we're watch what's unfolding in front of us and so want to make sure that we're all taking a breath and uh, appreciating it. Um, you know, every team has flaws. The Lions have uh, have a couple big ones uh, that they're working their way through. Becoming more glaring. Yeah. Well, I mean, but they, it was glaring. It got less glaring. And, but, I mean, yeah. it's there. The flaws are there. Um, at the same time, you have to appreciate the fact that they're overcoming some of their deficits and finding ways to win in different ways in a, against different opponents in different building on the road at home. Like it there, they have found a recipe where when it's on the line, they have a, the ability to get it done. And that's not anything I've seen in, in a really long time. And so uh, it's something to, something to be, Something that I think should instill confidence in you, and uh, and I think that's what's what's carrying me right now. All right, let's talk about the transactions first. Big one that that's affecting a lot of the fan base right now, as you mentioned, Aleem McNeil, yeah, uh, sent to IR, so he's out at least four weeks, and there's only five weeks left in the season. Yeah, so that's that's pretty close to one of the worst things that could happen. He's a top five player on this team probably. And, uh, or, you know, certainly a top 10 guy and he's arguably their second best defender. Uh, he was the guy who was able to uh, alleviate some pressure, uh, off of Hutchinson. Uh, so this is going to put more pressure on Hutchinson to, to do even more. And uh, they're going to have a hard time because they don't have a, a easy one for one replacement. The, the fortunate thing for them is that the injury is not expected to be long-term. He's expected to be able to come back in week 18. And uh, you know, will he be able to play in week 18? I don't know, but he's supposed to be able to, they're expecting him to be back for the playoff push. And so, that's encouraging. Additionally, while there's not a one-for-one replacement, the 
main ideology of the defense is to stop the run. So the fact that they don't have another pass rusher may not be as massive of a detriment as we think it is because they they have a few other guys that can stop the run and that will be the priority. It's surely going to limit them in the passing, uh, in the pass rushing game. You know, they're attacking the pass, getting pressure on the quarterback. It's certainly going to be limited by this. But as far as stopping the run, which is priority one, they I, I think they they still have a chance to be okay. They may they probably won't be as as effective, but they can. It's not like they're going to be like the worst team against the run, like they were a year, you know just a year ago. So, um, it's a big hurdle. And I'm interested to see how they will approach it. I think there's lots of different ways they could. Um, Aleem played about 70% of snaps, so you can't just put a guy in to play 70% of snaps. You're probably going to end up putting the guy in to play 30, 35, and then you're going to be leaning on guys like John Kaminsky and uh, and uh, Josh Paschal to, to kick inside and and help cover. And, I, you know, maybe that's where your pass rush comes from. And so – they're going to have to be creative over the last four weeks with their defensive line. Um, but, you know, like I said, ideally he's back for the playoffs and uh, the Lions can weather the storm. All right. Cornerback Kendall Vildor bumped up to the active roster. Right. So he's the re- So with, with McNeil going on IR, it, 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 I think most people were assumed or would have thought it would have been like Quentin Bohana who would have got the uh, promotion from the practice squad to the active roster because one Bohana has been active each of the last three games over Levi owns Isaiah bugs and Broderick Martin. Uh, Quentin Bohana is out of elevation, so he can't be elevated this week. And so I th- logic would have been, okay, Bohana just comes up, but it's not, it's Vildor. And so that makes things a little bit more interesting. Vildor is a veteran presence. He played most of his career in Chicago. So it'd be a nice uh, coming home game for him. He had like 22 starts for Chicago uh, over his few years there. And um, he brings a veteran presence on the outside, which is, I think, something that they've been lacking. You you know, you have Jerry and and, uh, and Cam Sutton starting, but beyond them, they were having to turn to Will Harris. So Vildor hopefully will give them another option to turn to uh, and not just have to solely rely on Will Harris. Maybe Vildor will help. And um, it it makes things a little harder for like rookie Stephen Gilmore, but it's a, it's a veteran presence that, you know, is hopefully going to play a positive role down the stretch because you know, you see they're starting to make moves to prepare for the postseason, And you, and I think this is one of them. They've been signed another old guy or another veteran. They signed is defensive tackle Tyson Alu Alu. Um, he's a 36 year old, right? Another 13 year long time veteran in the NFL. Yeah. Also offensive lineman, Matt Farniak. They were signed to the practice squad with Raymond Johnson being released. So uh, Alualu is another first round pick. I think it was a top 10 pick. Actually, I think he was picked 10 yeah. and like Bruce Urban uh, at first round pick. And yes, he's 36. Uh, but those first rounders are typically pretty athletic and they're there for a reason. He's, 
he's more of a of a, like a five tech. He played nose in college. He played. He was more of like a five technique with the Jaguars and the Steelers. Um, he said he doesn't expect he'll necessarily be ready for this game, but he's hoping the game after. And um, another veteran presence that can help out in a interior defensive line that has really not been able to use a lot of the guys that are on the active roster this year because of the way that they've approached their defense. So maybe he just sticks around in the locker room and just helps out there. Maybe he ends up uh, getting promoted for a game or two or, or more. And um, I, you know, I'm not expecting him to be as impactful as necessarily Bruce Urban because even if he's like Bruce Urban's playing situationally right now, and he'll probably just be a situational guy with Alu Alu. It's a situational. He'll probably be a situational guy as well. The issue is, is being an interior guy, you're not really going to, the chances of making an impact aren't as great as, as Bruce Urban has. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets used. Uh, Farniak is a five position player on the offensive line. He played, um, he played, he started two years at right tackle for Nebraska and he also started, but his senior year, he started at right guard. When he went, he was drafted in the seventh round by Dallas. Dallas played him at, uh, he got snaps at right guard, left guard, center, and left tackle. And so he entered this season in competition for their starting left guard role. Um, and I think a lot of people, from the sounds of it, during training camp thought he had a real shot at winning the, the starting left guard role and then ended up not. Um, and then he ends up being demoted to the practice squad and then he gets cut and the lions swoop him up. So he's very athletic, um, like very athletic. His Raz is like nine, nine, two or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I think his best position is probably on the inside. And uh, from some of the research I did, it sounded like his, his best games were at center. And so with um, an injury at center this week, it's possible that he just add, he's a guy who adds some positional depth uh, on the practice squad and um, be interesting to see how, I I don't expect him necessarily to see the field. Like maybe uh, Alu Alu might. You touched on this real quick for a sec. These signings, Bruce Irvin, Kendall Mm -hmm. Vildor, Tyson Alu Alu, these are not signings we would have seen in past seasons. Definitely not that we've seen yeah. in past seasons. And obviously, a lot of these guys wouldn't sign with bad Lions teams, as you know, the, the 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 seasons running out. But know, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of value these guys can provide over the stretch run. Well, Alalu said that he wasn't going to play this season unless he had an opportunity that was worth it. Like he wasn't going to put at 36, he he didn't want to put his body through the efforts of like playing a, a season out unless he it was with the right fit. And he said that with the Lions where they are, the mentality, the the coaching staff, you know, their position in the in the standings, their the, their style of play, all kind of fit into what he was looking for. And he he said that it, it was worth it for him to go through the grind to get an opportunity with the lions, as opposed to like, if he were to have re-signed with like the Steelers or something, which is who he played for most, most recently. All right. Injured guys, 
quarterback Hendon Hooker, ACL injury, still in the on the evaluation clock, so he's still on the non-football injury list. Full practice participant Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, this is he's he's really going to get just evaluated for the next two weeks, and then they'll have to make a decision on him. Then um, he has to be on the injury report because he's in the evaluation process. Um, he'll probably practice in full uh, all week, and then he'll be ruled out because uh, the expectations are they're not gonna they're not gonna elevate him uh, to the act or you know activate him to the uh, fifty three man roster. I don't believe any time uh, before his evaluation clock runs out. So that's why he's on the list. It'll be fascinating to see if like the Lions can lock up their division and also lock up their playoff seed. You know, the fingers crossed. Yeah. If Hendon Hooker will get to start like week 17. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing we'll just put him <laughs> on injured reserve when his clock runs out just so he got some practice under his belt. But it'd be intriguing to see. I do think with the um with the way the, the playoffs played out last season with the 49ers losing Brock Purdy and then their you know, all their quarterbacks and being out, and then the Lions instituting that emergency quarterback rule. It would not at all be surprising to me to see Hendon activated to the active roster and then given that third quarterback designation um, where they don't, he's part of their inactives, but he could, he could step in if something happens to both golf and Bridgewater and then they need to turn to Hendon. So um, I don't think that is reason enough, alone enough to keep him on the active roster, but the chance to continue to develop him, I think, is. So I, I, I expect him to get put on the active roster. Center Frank Ragnow, toe, back, and knee. So he's all, all, all over the place. Did yeah. not practice Wednesday or Thursday. So much for having the full offensive line healthy and ready to go. Yeah, the knee is what's going to keep him out. Um, the toe has been just management. The back hasn't limited him. But the knee is what bounced him from the game against the Saints. Um, logic says that they'll move. They'll do what they did uh, against the Saints, which is move Graham Glasgow to center and then put Colby Sorstall in at right guard. Now, I know Sorstall's been up and down this season, and and uh, you know he's been he's been a uh, a guy that a lot of people have pointed to as struggling, but in my opinion, the Lions have turned to him because they think he's their best option. It's not like Aushika has been that much better. Um, for example, that game against the Packers, everybody was up in arms with Sorsdal, uh, cause he gave up four pressures and then he got yanked. Uh, but what people don't talk about is the fact that Aushika came in as his replacement and gave up seven. So it's not like the guys behind him are, are, uh, are knocking things out of the park right now. So, um, we also have to remember that Sorsdal played four years at right tackle and then switched to guard this season and played all at right guard almost entirely at, in training camp. When he's been activated into the game action, he's played at right tackle and then left guard. Switching from the right side to the left side is very hard. And his two games that he played left guard uh, were the two games that he got beat up pretty good and so putting him back at right guard is i think it's a more natural side for him it's what he's been training for um and what we saw was 
in his five other games that he played, he was giving up two, four, four, and three. And the, the other four games, he gave up two pressures, four pressures, four pressures, and three pressures, if I recall. But then last game, he just gave up one. And so he's getting better. He's more natural on the right side. And so you hope that with the this the game plan that they have in place, that Soresville can actually uh, be an asset. And I think he, if they do what I think they're going to do, he'll have a chance to, uh, to to have more more good than bad. Linebacker Alex Anzalone, hand injury, full practice Wednesday, Thursday. He's got the broken thumb, right? He couldn't pop it back into place. Yeah, weeks ago, and now he's got a cast on, right? Or, yeah, and thanks on Thanksgiving or a protective yeah something apparatus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, his thumb popped out. He popped it back in. It popped back out. He popped it back in, and and like that, you can do that with joints. Odd, oddly enough, um. I had that when I busted up my finger that I had that happen with that thing with my finger as well. That's it would like lock into place and I just have to pop it right back out. Um, the difference with him though, is um, it sounds like structurally he's okay. Uh, he didn't have any tendons or anything like that that were problematic. So they just, they had to insert a screw to kind of hold the thumb in the right spot. And then he's Okay. And now they're putting a protective brace on him uh, as part of the healing process. And that could take, I don't know, maybe he might wear that till the end of the season or, or maybe longer, but um, that's not limiting him. Uh, he's had two full practices and uh, seems in good spirits and uh, he's ready to go. So hopefully it won't be a big, that big of a hindrance and uh, Lions can get their, their best linebacker back on the field. Linebacker, fullback, Malcolm Rodriguez, ankle injury limited Wednesday and Thursday. So it wasn't clear if he got injured in the game or if this is a residual thing that showed up after the game. But um, he played fullback, he played linebacker, he played on special teams. He was a a three-phase old-school player. And um, maybe that's why they're giving him – maybe he's getting a little bit of rest because of that, but – uh, the ankle must be bothering him a little bit, and uh, but I don't. Getting in limited practices is usually a good sign that uh, he's probably going to be okay to go. So I, I'm expecting him to play. So really, the only uh, th- and that's the end of the, the injury list, right? So really, Frank is the only guy you got to worry about from an injury standpoint. Uh, which is really good news going in the, considering the fact that it's it's week 14. All right, let's talk about the Saints game. Once again, Lions win at 33-28. Team explodes right out of the gate, opens up to a big 21-0 lead, score on the opening possession, bait car into an interception, mm-hmm. come right score on that ensuing drive. Three and, and out. Have, yeah, three and out, and then score again. Then score again. Yep. So uh, score, yeah, scores to Montgomery, Laporta, and then St. Brown, right? It's pretty much the the offense of the offensive production that we saw last week is a carryover of what we've seen the last several weeks, which is a lot of Amon Ra, a lot of Sam Laporta, 
you get your backs involved both rushing and in the in the passing game and then you sprinkle a couple of targets over to Jameson, a couple to Khalif, a couple to Josh and uh you score 30 points and uh usually come away with the win. That's that that was the game plan or that's that's how things have played out in recent weeks and and uh I think that'll work in most weeks, right? I think it'll work this week if they if they can do the, that same concept, right? So um yeah, it was look those first three possessions were opportunistic and they just capitalized on them. That's, that's what you do. And yes, they went into kind of a, uh, a lull uh, during the second and third quarters. Certainly did. But as we've seen over the last several weeks, they come to life in the fourth quarter and either close out the game or they come back or they, or they, you know, start to come back. And it's, the fourth quarter has been very much a lion's quarter. And uh, when you're in tight games and you're having some struggles and that you need to overcome being really good in the fourth quarter is how you win games. Yeah. They, they reasserted themselves back in the fourth quarter. You mentioned the second and third quarter being the mediocre two quarters there. We're used to it in the third quarter. Don't really care for it too much in the second quarter. <laughs> you brought up Laporta, career game for him. All those careers been rather short. Nine receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Made uh made you forget all about TJ Hawkinson, even though he leads a tight with tight ends and receptions in the NFL on the season. Um knocking Carr out of the game. You know, we got some big hits. Mm-hmm. Was like, there was a lot of good. I mean, you got to mix in some bad when the Saints came alive. It, going back to that first Saints play, yeah, they, the Saints were right out of the gate looking to do you know, what the Packers did. Came a car was looking deep on that first throw, and mm-hmm. you know, and then and if that would have completed, you know, or if they if they they, they would have stuck with that, maybe the game would be a little bit different. But they got a little shell shocked. But with what ended up happening with the branch interception, um, I didn't everything worked out great from the get-go for the line. They really put the pressure on new Orleans, mm-hmm. you know, give new Orleans credit that they were able to handle the adversity and make it almost all the way back. But you know, that's, they got to do, you know, like they jump out to a big lead. They had the ability to do that and they converted all those opportunities, which was great to see. That that was one of my keys to the game. The last time the lions played the bears was if you jump out to an early lead, you have a really good chance to win because of how you close. And um, against the Bears, they didn't. The Bears scored first, remember, if you recall. Uh, they scored on that opening drive. And so the Bears were up 7 nothing. took the Lions three possessions before they were able to, to even it up at 7. And so they were, you know, then they ended up getting the lead. It'd be right before the half. Uh, the third quarter was a disaster. And then you had to play comeback in the fourth. And then they, but they did enough to win. Getting that lead for this team and the style of play that they want to do is a massive, massive advantage. If you don't, if they don't get an early lead, they have to fight tooth and nail. And that's when they make mistakes. That's when they turn the ball over. When you jump out to an early lead and you can let, and you can run and you can be more selective with your passing game. Uh, it's, it suits this style of offense a lot better. It gives them more options and they really can, I think, operate at a much higher level. Uh, so that's going to be another key this week, you know, 
get those points on the board early and uh, and let your offensive game plan go to work. All right. You want to add anything else? Um, Romeo Aquara, Bruce Irvin getting sacks. It was nice seeing Bruce Irvin getting a sack there. Uh, yep. They finally mm-hmm. got off the sack schneid, you know, after, yeah. after being well, an I oasis think, of sacks. I think he what he brings is he shows you that the idea of what they want to do on defense can work if you have the right people in place, right? Like the, the, this, the Sam, having the Sam linebacker uh, being able to unleash a pass rusher on third downs, those concepts haven't been working because they just don't have the personnel. Part of that is because James Houston is on IR um, and they really didn't have another option, even though they tried and tried and tried and tried new options. They just couldn't find anything. Um, so right now, Bruce Irvin gives them that. And it sure sounds like James Houston is going to be back before the playoffs. And if that's the case, he's going to bring that element by hopefully back to, to the game as, as well. He's been practicing more and more like he, or I guess training on the side with trainers more and more each week. And um, he said this week, he's expecting to be ready to go um, before the, the end of the regular season. And then just speaking of injury guys on IR, since I didn't really bring it up during in, uh, the injury section, Chauncey Gardner's tweeting out all kinds of cryptic stuff uh, on his so- social media, talking about December 20th being a date to watch. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that, uh, you know, works itself out because like, you know, December 20th is a Wednesday. Uh, that's when they start practicing. That is the uh, that is the Vikings game one week. So if he is targeting that day as maybe like wanting to return to practice, it's possible you could get him by the end of the season as well. And so if they're able to get Houston, Gardner Johnson, and Aleem all back before the playoffs, could cure a lot of the ails that they've uh, that they're going through right now. All right, let's talk about the Bears. Lions favored by three and a half. It's a Fox game at 1 p.m. at Soldier Field. Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, Christina Pinks, the crew. Referees Trey Blake, second year as a, as a ref, fourth year in the NFL as an official. 12.82 penalties per game, so slightly above league average. Yeah, he's just a tick above average. He hasn't been around in the league long enough to have anything really controversial. So, um I, you tend to see younger refs uh, or, or I guess less experienced refs throw a little bit more flags because uh, they don't want to make mistakes and uh, you know, they don't want to fall under the scrutiny of the referee, uh, you know, uh, grading system. And if he wants to go to the postseason, he's got to hit high marks. And so he's going to let that flag fly when he needs to uh, at the same time. He doesn't want to be too flag happy because the league isn't going to want that. League isn't going to want, you know, you thrown 18 flags in a playoff game. That's not going to be any fun for anybody. So he hovers right around the average, and uh, I kind of expect that to to carry over. Uh, so 12 penalties, 13 penalties, it's probably going to be in that range, and uh, ideally it will be split or slightly more against the home team. <laughs> 
DVOA rankings, Lions are sitting at seven overall, sixth offensively, 10th defensively. Offensive side of the ball, they're ninth overall in passing, fourth in rushing on defense, 13th best at stopping the pass, seventh against the run. Really must be bolstered by how strong the defense is playing in the first half of the year, special teams <laughs> overall. So sinking a little bit on special teams as the weeks yep. roll by. Bears, 24th overall offensively, 25th defensively, 20th. 25th best passing attack on on offense with uh, 15th best rushing attack defensively 25th against the pass 11th against the run special teams near the bottom of the league at 28th so if you look at the adjusted uh dvoa which really only factors in their most recent like i think it's like four games or something like that with the most recent games that they've played the lions defense dips from 10 to 15 and the bears defense jumps from 20 to 14 so they're playing about the same level of defense. So all the complaints that you have about the Detroit defense, the Bears are operating at a similar level of efficiency as the Lions right now. So it's not like the Bears are the Bears are getting better and they're better now than they were earlier in the season. But even when you look at the recency stuff, they're still about in the middle of the pack, just like the Lions are kind of in the middle of the pack. And when you look at the offense in, in recency in the in the weighted uh, system, there's really no change to that. Their passing game is really low. Their offense is very low, it's still at like 25. And so they are very much taking the same approach that they have on offense. So what's the difference here? The difference is they're finding more success uh, by running Justin Fields, which we saw. Uh, firsthand uh, a couple weeks ago and then on defense they've really gotten healthier they've always been pretty good against the run but they've gotten healthier in the secondary that health has brought in better success that better success has, has increased their efficiency and dropped their uh their you know increased where the positivity and where they are in the in the dboa so even when you look at the dboa though there's not a single spot where they're better than the Lions, either head-to-head or just looking at them comparatively. When you adjust for weight, they're very similar on defense, but there's still a massive lean towards the Lions on offense. Yes, they have Justin Fields, and he is kryptonite to this Lions defense in so many ways. But this Lions offense, it's not, they're not, by any means, like I, th- I feel like they're getting dismissed right now. Like I, th- I feel like people who are down on the Lions are looking at the Lions' offense and thinking that because the defense is struggling, that they're that they're not going to win games because you know they don't think the offense because the offense has gone through lulls. Folks, the offense went through a lull last week and scored thirty three points. You know what I mean? Like they went through a lull for about half the game and scored. 33 points they've been scored outside of the, the last time they played the pack when they played the Packers they've scored 30 points each of the last like four weeks so like outside of the Packers game this offense is one of the best in the NFL and yes the Bears have the Lions kryptonite and Justin Fields and yes their defense is getting better but they're also four and eight for a reason and the Lions are nine and three for a reason 
and their offense is the catalyst here to helping them succeed. So these DVOA numbers, like the fact that they're still in the top 10 in offense across the board is not a fluke. They've been in that all year because this is a highly efficient offense. It's one of the most explosive that in, in the NFL. And I think we sometimes watch it and we forget how good they are. Like they're very good. And, and, and these numbers are very much uh, justified in how efficient they've been. All right. You mentioned bears four and eight um, coming off their bye week before that they edged the Vikings on Monday night football, 12 to 10 with a dynamic week out of, uh, out of fields, but not fantastic. And that's when the Josh Dobbs armor began to crack for this as the Minnesota quarterback, they picked them off four times. Yep. Um, now fields fumbled twice in that game as well. It was a, it was a lot of turnovers in that game. Um, it was a that if if you didn't watch that game on Monday night two weeks ago, you, you consider yourself fortunate. It was an ugly game, and it was ugly the on the rewatch as well. Um, I mean, turnovers all over the place, and it wasn't just Fields. They had a couple other fumbles as well, and so fumbles, interceptions. I mean, it was a, it was a disaster of a game on uh, from for both offenses. And the fact that they scored 24 points or 22 points as a collective, uh, uh, you know, as both of them together combined for 22 points was, I think, close to a miracle because that game was offensively as ugly as I've seen in a while. All right, let's dig deeper into Matt Eberflus's offense, which is coordinated by Luke Getze. We start with Justin Fields, the quarterback. We've talked about him already a bunch. Everybody who's listening probably saw the first game the Lions faced off against the Bears against. It's going to be a big key for the Lions to stop or at least keep them in check. If they could do that, they're going to blow out the Bears. But if they can't, the Bears can maybe keep the game close, maybe put themselves in the in a winning position. Yeah, look, that's really the key is, is Justin Fields. Um, the, the way that the Lions have been getting beat of late is quarterbacks have been running – and quarterbacks have been targeting their number one receiver. That's what, and that's exactly what the Bears did the last time they played. Justin Fields threw for 169 yards. 96 of them went to DJ Moore, right? Like he peppered DJ Moore seven times, or targeted him nine times. He caught seven. Um, that was double, more than double anyone else on the entire team, right? Their next best uh, pass catcher. Uh, we'll get to in a minute. Um, but really it's, it, it lives in, they live and die with fields right now. And the lions are one of the worst teams against a rushing, a, a mobile quarterback. Justin Fields is going to, Justin Fields is going to score. I mean, he's going to run. He's probably going to score. Like he's going to get his yards. The question will be the let when they faced him last year, they were able to con control him because they adjusted their approach. Will they adjust their approach this week? Will they have an answer for him because they've already seen him once this year? If they do, they're going to win this game in a waltz. If they can't account for him, it's going to be a much, uh, it's going to be a much closer game than the Lions would want. Running back group, Khalil Herbert, Dunta Foreman, Roshan Johnson. Last, uh, not last week, but last time the Bears played, 
Roshan Johnson got the bulk, quote unquote, of the carries. He had 10. Then again, there two games ago against the Lions. It was uh, you know, Fields, of course, you know, led the way. Um, they also mixed in carries to all three of those backs, Herbert, Johnson, and Foreman. Yeah. And, and Herbert's their guy that they think is their explosive. Foreman is their power and Johnson is their, he's their multi-purpose rookie. And so they've, they, they have altered who they're using in which situation. Um, and that's all by design. Like they didn't want to re-sign David Montgomery because they wanted to have options. So against the Lions last time after fields, Herbert was the guy that they typically leaned on. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it will be next this in this game with the ground being a little bit harder and a little bit colder. Uh, they may go back to Donta Foreman at the same time. Foreman's coming off an injury, so maybe he won't be as available. So I don't know. I don't think it matters a ton. Um, they're going to try and use all three, but it's really Herbert is the guy that uh, you need to be conscious of um, as a unit. They're pretty efficient in in, in running the ball. Uh, obviously, this adds this is with Fields factored in as well. But they're rushing for like 137 yards a game. That's like third best in the NFL. Um, but again, a lot of that is because of Fields. But like the Lions, they prioritize the run game, and then uh, because if they can control the trenches, then they can control the clock, and they think they can control the game and keep the the scoring opportunities low. So. Lots of focus on the run, both on both sides of the ball for the Bears. Wide receiver group starters: DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Equinemius, Sam Brown, coming off the bench: Tyler Scott, Trent, Trent Taylor, and Vellis Jones Jr. DJ Moore had a big game against the Lions the first go around. Yeah, and and no one else had more than twenty four yards, and that was Mooney on one catch. Komet, um, their tight end, had twenty yards, but it took him three catches to get that. Really, it's he doesn't look. Fields doesn't look at Mooney that much. Uh, he he only looks at the rest of the receivers maybe once or twice a game. Um, Mooney might he's kind of fallen into that same boat. So it, it's kind of like DJ Moore gets everything, and then everyone else gets a little, and uh, that ends up being like you know he gets like 80 percent of the looks. So Lions are going to know that. Hopefully, they can uh, guard against it. And if you uh, if if you can keep Fields in the pocket, Moore's the guy that he's going to go to more often than not. Tight ends, you already mentioned Cole Komet in the last meeting, three catches, twenty yards. He did have seven receptions against the Vikings uh, two weeks ago. Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis off the bench. Yeah, Komet. I mean, Komet on the season, I think, is like a top ten tight end, if I'm not mistaken. Like. He's done well. And and honestly, if the Lions are able to take more away, Komet's the guy that they're that, that Fields is going to turn to. So they're going to have to be conscious of that. Um their approach is probably still going to be very much zone oriented. And so I don't think you're necessarily going to pin like a guy on him. So that means sometimes Komet's going to be head up with like Brian Branch. Sometimes he's going to be up against uh you know, Tracy Walker or Kirby Joseph. And, and so they'll all have to be uh, conscious of, uh, of commit because he's option two. Fullbacks, Kari Blass and Gamey only has eight 
uh, carries on the season. Offensive yeah. line, left to right, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright. So Lucas Patrick is their weak point on this on this uh, offense. Um, the offensive line did a pretty good job against the Lions the last time sure around. Did. 180 yards um, rushing. Lucas Patrick was, again, the uh, – the weak point, then he got injured. Um, so they, they did, it was an interesting, uh, it was interesting to see how they, uh, how well they played considering, um, the, the spot that they were in, I thought they played above their level and maybe they will again, but I think overall on an average day for them, they're, they're not quite as good as they played last time, but they played well last time, so you have to be aware of that. And um, you're hoping to probably get Aiden Hutchinson up against uh, Braxton Jones more than Darnell Wright, personally. And uh, with Noah Leem, you're going to try and attack Patrick Lucas or Lucas Patrick as much as possible. And um, but it's again, it's not going to be as easy uh, as it would have been with the Leem in there. But if you're getting creative and you're bringing pressure or you're blitzing linebackers, the A gap is where I would attack if I'm starting to blitz my linebackers. Um, it just, it, it'll be the easiest, uh, you know, it'll be the easiest from a schematic standpoint. And plus that's, that's where I think their weakness is. Yeah. It's very important that, you know, the coaching staff spent the week, Why you know, they, definitely reference the Minnesota game and then our previous game with them and hopefully come up with a good game plan against that offensive line because the one they had three weeks ago mm -hmm. didn't really work out so well. I, um, I wonder, I, okay, like one the big change that we saw last time was they played more contain. And that was like when they really started opening up this idea of contain and it was, and it worked well against Justin Fields for a variety of reasons. And I expect that to be the approach again. And I know that's not very uh, sexy or fun and it allows not sexy, yards. Not sack savvy. Yeah. And, um, but it stops the run, which is, uh, well, what they need my, to from, from the traditional running back. It stops the tr runs from the traditional running back. And that's what they want to do. They are a, they are a top five unit against stopping the run. I think, like, what would we say in DBOA, their top, uh seven seven and then in in raw numbers they're four and so that's their priority that's what they're going to want to do they're going to want to take those running backs out of the game they're going to want to try and contain fields as much as they can and i wouldn't be surprised if they started to incorporate uh the occasional spy here and there and i again am going to say if you do it brian branch is the guy that i would want to see um I do think it would be interesting, though, in certain situations. Do you watch? Uh, I, I assume you watch the uh, the uh, conference championships, the NCAA conference championships last weekend, as much as I could. And Georgia and Alabama. Uh, that game was one of the highlights of the weekend. And I don't know if you happen to catch what Georgia did to Alabama's quarterback Milrow, the mobile quarterback. On third down, they didn't just use one spy, they used two. And that double spy that they used on, like, they put a spy in each, like, B gap. 
And then when he went to scramble on third down, he had nowhere to go because the, the spy was already basically ahead of him in escaping the pocket. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, why don't you just do this with Justin Fields in third and long? And now that puts a lot sure. of pressure on your back end right. to cover, right? And that's probably why you don't do it. But at the same time, I would rather face Justin Fields' arm than his, legs. his legs. Sure. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would love to see that in like a third down situation. I don't know if I will. It only, stuff in college doesn't always work in the pros, but it right. caught my eye and it got me thinking. And I and it made me wonder if the lot if we they could see a third down yeah yeah why not just just to, just because to, see look here with the coaches with the bears coaches they're very influenced by what's happening in the game and they're very jumpy when it comes to making uh fast adjustments based on something that's happening if you remember in that game against uh the last game against the bears it was Design quarterback run, design quarterback run, right? Like on first down, and they were getting that he was getting them into like second and short almost every time. And then the Lions loaded the box and they stopped him. And when they stopped him, it was like they forgot to go back to that play again. And they and they just stopped running design plays, quarterback runs on first down, and almost went away from the the quarterback runs altogether. And that was a massive uh, change in the game that like when he, when he was not doing his designed runs, it was like they kind of cut the legs off their offense. And so, yeah, when he, when he ended up getting yards on the ground in the second half, it was mostly like when the plays broke down, if you can startle the bears coaching staff, early and you do something like a double spy you could convince them or to to move away from it uh, uh from then on and then you may not have to use that double spy ever again because the bears coaching staff there they will they will drop it if if they don't think it's going to work like quickly and they just don't go back to it and so once they get out of those scripted things man it's uh it, they can be influenced by how you run your scheme flipping over to the defensive side of the ball for the bears led by coach Eberflus. along the front line got yannick and andrew billings justin jones and montez sweat sweat had a sack i believe that was that his first sack as a bear against correct the first correct matchup. yeah they gave up two sacks um in the game uh sanborn their linebacker got the other uh, neither of those sacks were credited to the offensive line. The Lions offensive line did give up 18 pressures in that game. But in a strange twist, 12 of them came from Bear, the Bears backups. Um, it wasn't actually their starters that were making that much noise. Yes, Sweat got the sack, but he wasn't getting like the constant the other guys on the on the on the in, amongst the starters, they weren't the ones that were doing the damage against the, the offensive line. Keep in mind, we just talked about Colby Sorzo uh, earlier. This was a game where Colby Sorzo was playing at left guard, right? So now you're switching him back to right or most likely going to switch him back to right. And so hopefully he gets in a better spot where he's not going to give up because he gave up four of those 18 pressures just by himself. So ideally, if getting him back on the right side, you can reduce those numbers again. 
it's not often that Decker gives up three, right? And so hopefully that number can go down. And if you can get the number back down to like 11, like you like against the Saints, the Saints only had like 11 pressures. So if you can hold this defense to like a dozen pressures against, it's really going to set you up for what you want to do uh, in the passing game. So hopefully it's a bounce back game for the tackles. Uh, hopefully you can protect Colby Sorsdale uh, as much as possible. Hopefully Colby has the better game playing on the right side. Um, the good thing is, is that their right side of, uh, of Justin Jones and uh, Yannick, that, that's the weakest part of their defense in all honesty. So he actually has a better spot to be successful. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll see a better result. Um, it was Rasheen Green, the backup, who had three pressures. Zach Pickens had four. Dexter Gervin had three, I think, or maybe he had five. Five, yeah, actually. So, like, Dexter Gervin, when he's on the field, number 99, that's the guy who made who did the most damage against the Lions last time. So keep an eye where he lines up and uh, because he's a, he's a guy, I think, who's developing quickly for them. Linebackers, TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, Jack Sanborn, if they play three. You mentioned Sanborn had a sack. Edmonds and Edwards both had interceptions. Dylan Cole and Panay Sewell's brother Noah coming off the bench. Um, they will go to three linebacker sets about uh, you know, like 25% of the time, you know, like most teams, a little, little more than most teams. Eberflus wants to play more three linebacker sets when he can. Uh, last season, he used three linebacker sets like 40 to 50% of the time. This season, he backed it way off. Um, but you're starting to see a little bit more of it of late. Um, and we saw it uh, against the Lions as well. So Edwards and Edmonds, they'll stay on the field the whole time. And then you, they'll bring Sanborn on when they want to get that third linebacker. And that's that's what they – those are the three that, that they ideally want to put out on the field. Um, it's a good, it's a good trio to, to be honest. Um, I mean, they paid for it, right? So it's, but it's, it's producing results. I think Tremaine Edmonds was expected to be like their best. They paid him like they expected him to be their best and he might be struggling the most out of the three. Uh, but Edwards has been fantastic. And, uh, and like you said, both of those guys got picks last time. So the Lions will have to be conscious of that. All three of Goff's interceptions were all over the middle. Uh, and for Goff, who loves to target Laporta and and, uh, and Amon Ra and running backs out of the backfield, he's going to have to be conscious of that because they baited him last time and he fell right into it. So I would expect him to be more aware this time. I would expect him to have, have the film study and be ready for it. And maybe the Bears will try and change things up a little. But I think the defense that they had last time was, was smart because it did take the middle of the field away, and that's where the Lions want to be successful. So counter for the Lions, uh, I think, is to do what the teams have tried to do to the Lions. And I would go after them deep right off the bat. I would run either a Jamison route, because remember, this is the gate, this was the route where Jamison and Amon Ra lined up on the right side. And Amon Ra ran a, like a, a a fifteen out fifteen yard out that occupied the corner, 
and then Jamison went deep and rolled out over the corner, and that they got that thirty-something yard touchdown. Right? I I I would like for them to attack deep right off the bat because if you can get those linebackers thinking about that, it just makes it makes everything more complicated. We've seen the results against the Lions. Let's see if the Lions can flip the script and do it to do it to the Bears. Defensive secondary corners are Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, Kyler Gordon, uh, with mixing in Terrell Smith, maybe Jalen Jones, maybe Josh Blackwell. Stevenson had an interception in the first go round. Yeah, and like and he's what's crazy is Johnson's their best one. I'd say Stevenson's their worst. And the heat, but yet he still had an interception. Almost had two, if I recall. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, Gordon is good, but he's almost exclusively in the nickel now. Um, they would occasionally use him, uh, you know, out, outside when they were trying to like bring Stevenson along. Uh, Stevenson's coming off an ankle injury, but he's been practicing in full. So my guess is he'll play. Um, it's not bad and Johnson's really good. So we'll see how they try and match up with Amon Ra. Last time that they that they faced off against Amon Ra, Amon Ra led the way. Uh, I believe he had seven catches or something along, eight catches for 77 yards. So, you know, and, and then you've got Sam coming off a, 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 a nine catch 140 yard game. And I'm sure the Bears surely have him on their radar, right? So let's see if the Lions can can beat them deep early. And then, like I said, maybe you can attack this middle a little bit uh, a little bit better. Maybe you can bait Stevenson uh, to try and get another pick and uh, maybe you double move him or something. But I think there's some some opportunities to to uh, to take advantage yet. They're healthier, and like I said at the top, they're getting better, and the the stats are showing that they're getting better. So it's not like you're just going to be able to pick them apart. At the same time, there's still weaknesses in the secondary. Safeties, Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson. Also see Elijah Hicks and Quindell Johnson. Jackson and Brisker are, are good, and in the past, they've been very good. Um, but recently, they've only been – like average last couple of years, like Brisker had a better year last year than this year. Um, Jackson was better two years ago than he has been the last two years, but the potential is there for them to be really good. Right. Uh, they just haven't been overall. And the way that they uh, approach this is they like to run some too deep, but they'll also drop one of these guys into the box in order to, uh, try and stop the run. And again, this is the way, this is the spot that you can take uh, JMO and you can get an advantage because if they do drop one of them into the box, there's not a guy in the secondary that can, that can run with JMO. And that's true of most secondaries, but we saw it happen last time where if they run into, if they run a single high and their focus is on, is on Amon Ra, you can hit JMO deep. You can hit, you know, Khalif deep, you can hit Josh Reynolds deep, but I mean, like there's, there's options to take advantage of them mostly because of just the scheme that they run. 
Going to the special teams group, Cairo Santos is the kicker. He has four of four uh, field goals against the Lions the first go-around. 53 yarders is long. The other three were 40 and shorter. We're going to be outdoors this go-around, but he is a solid kicker. Trenton Gill's the punter. A pair of punts for 91 yards against the Lions first go-around. He's been pretty consistent, around 46 yards a kick this season. Yeah, Santos is really good. Um, I think Gill's okay, but I think Santos is, is really good. Um, yeah, outdoor, like you said, outdoors is going to be tricky. Um, but I, I, I think Santos is a good enough kicker that you can probably count for him, you know, at least getting a field goal, uh, maybe more depending on if their offense stalls or not. Punt returners, Trent Taylor hasn't done anything too crazy. Nope. Um, yet returning punts, kick returners, Tyler Scott and Vellis Jones Jr. Jones has had a couple of nice kickoff returns. The long snappers, Patrick Scales. Yeah, there's about average across the board there. Maybe even below average, and then their coverage is, is below average, I'd say, as well, which is why they're 28th. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the, uh, the revisitation of the Bears roster. Let's start talking about who's going to win this game. Well, uh, I got the better of you last week with the uh, with the way that the numbers play out. Um, just because the game went into a, a little bit higher of a scoring game, I was a little bit higher with the Lions in points than you were, and that ended up getting me the differential win. So I'm back up on you. Um, I have regained, for me, a massive two-game lead. Yeah, you're wrestling it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's my opportunity to go first uh i think the defense is is a lot better than what it's been and i think it's better than what their numbers show at the same time i'm not scared of their pass rush and i think the lions can can slow it down this time around my expectation is that they're going to try and run the ball more because last time when they were when they went down, they stopped. They didn't run it as much. They leaned on the pass because they had to come. They had to get back in the game. So my expectation is that the run becomes more of a priority for them, uh, especially early. I think they have the bodies to be successful with that, especially if you run Sorzdo early where he's good, you get confidence in him. You get the defense on their heels. It's going to make pass blocking a lot easier for him. So again, I expect them to try and establish the run early with Montgomery, uh, you know, going back to Chicago for the first time. And I think he'll, he'll again say he's unmotivated, but I believe he will be motivated. So run the ball, try and get them on their heels, pick them apart. It's not going to be a blowout, but I think the Lions have enough firepower that, that they can still put up points on this defense. On offense, it really comes down to Justin Fields. Uh, and beyond Justin Fields, Moore and Komet are the only two guys that's, that, uh, that bother me at all. Um, more is a guy that I think you can be creative with some, maybe some bracket coverage at times. I think you can be creative with things, like I said earlier, but like with spies and double spies and stuff with, with, uh, with fields. And the focus is going to be try and get him stopped early. 
because if you stop him early, they will move away from it and they will stop you leaning on what works for them as soon as it stops working. So I'm not scared of their offense. Can Justin Fields still run for 100 yards? Sure, he absolutely could. Could Justin Fields put the ball in the end zone either on the ground or through the air twice? Sure. But I'm not scared of this offense after that. Like, I still think they have hiccups. I still think they're going to have obstacles. I don't think they're they're careful with the ball. They they were they got they were a plus they turned the ball Lions turned the ball over four times last time. They're not going to do that. They turned the ball over four times, still scored 31 points, right? Like if it turns into a shootout, the Lions are, are going to win. And, and so I think the Lions ability to score on offense is greater than what I'm scared of Justin Fields. I tell you, he's he's the worst thing for them, and they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle to play him. But if if I, I don't expect them to score more than seventeen, and so for the Lions, I think they can put up twenty four. So I'm going with twenty four seventeen Lions, and it wouldn't surprise me if they exceeded twenty four. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe with the cold being outside and a focus on the run game. Touchdown victory for me, 24-17. Well, I had that same 17 number you did. The over-under is 43 and a half. It's going to be 37 degrees in Chicago. I don't know if that's going to be the game time temperature, if that's what it's going to be around 4 o'clock near the end, or if it'll be much colder than that. You know, I, I, don't, I didn't see how the, the temperature is supposed to move throughout the day. Um, not going to be raw though. I, I always, that's like the worst term when I hear about weather is it's raw out there. Cause that <laughs> means, you know, it's 34, but it's raining, you know, right? generally miserable. So hopefully it's nothing I, like that. It, I think the, the weather, the precipitation projection has, has changed where they're saying it's not supposed to rain and the earlier in the week it was projected to, it's not supposed to anymore though. So that plays into the lion's favor. Certainly. Yep. Um, yep. I'm going to have them you know, winning this game as well, uh, except for it's going to be a little bit closer than you had. I'm going to go with the under. I'm going to say Lions are going to win 19 to 17. Ooh. And okay. I mean, you know, the Bears, they scared the Lions the first go around. They showed their true colors at the end, kind of gave the game to the Lions. They only have four wins on the season. And, you know, they're over the six and six Vikings, you know, the four and nine commanders, five and seven Raiders, and then the awful Panthers. I don't know, just one and 10 or two and 10 or wherever they're at. One, yeah. Yeah. One with like, you know, they haven't beaten good teams, but, you know, we talk about it every week and you hear it all the time on TV. Uh, You know, any team can win any one of these games, but I'm going to give it to the Lions this go around 1917 win. I I think with this team, it, the Bears, they, they are a talented team, but I don't think they are to a point where they understand what needs to happen in order to put games away. And we've seen that. I mean, we saw that with this, this Lions team a couple of years ago, right? Like, this is a Bears team who has the potential to be good, but the coaching staff has to get out of the way uh, because the coaching staff holds them back. And you have to get more seasoning underneath some of their, their younger, talented players. If they do that, in three years, they're going to be re- competitive. But I'm not confident that this coaching staff is going to be able to get them there in three years. 
And if you're replacing your coaching staff, you run into some issues when, and, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how things would play out after that. But I, I'm not convinced they're moving on from their coaching staff anyways. And so if you're not moving on from your coaching staff and your coaching staff, I don't think is talented enough to, to progress your team. It'll be interesting to see what their ceiling can be, even with a talented roster that, that they have. So they got a lot of capital. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they, they do in the future. But for now, this is a Lions team that knows how to win. This is a Lions team that can put up points. This is a Bears team that doesn't know how to win, and, and they struggle to put up points, and they try and keep things close. Yes, they have the best antidote to the Lions defense in the league. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, he can't do it alone. If he could, they would have beat the Lions by now, and they haven't. Right, they haven't won like Lions won the last three games. So, right. and I, I don't know if they won before that. I haven't. I, didn't go, I just am off the top of my head thinking, yeah, you know, it's it's just last three because they must have won the one before. Because last year's win in Chicago was the first road win that that they had under Dan Campbell, if I'm not mistaken. So, or was it the year before? Regardless, I think the Lions are set up to win this game. And I know there are a lot of people out there that are panicking because of X, Y, and Z, all the things I listed earlier. But this is a good Lions team. And so I, I think they walk out of Chicago uh, with their first double-digit you know, number in the win category since 14. Oh boy. 2000, 2014. All right. Uh, reviews. Coming in, we got a great one five star review from Lions Fan 2020. That you kind of know what you're going to end up being when you grow up when your parents give you that name. <laughs> it's a poor joke. I'm sure I probably made they, they, they probably it's an updated review. Yes. So, you know, I probably made that joke previously and it wasn't funny. Enough. <laughs> but that was good joke support. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's in a very nice review. So even yeah, and I do believe that was an update because I think we I, yeah we did have a uh, I remember him for previously. Um, I, you know, last couple of weeks we've talked about college football just a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can finish with off at, that after after we finish. Is there anything uh, you have like? I haven't talked about college. I didn't tweet about it. I didn't like. I haven't talked about it on and and uh, any other streams or anything like that. So, like any other podcast, um, do you have an opinion on 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 how the college football playoff played out? I assume you do. I assume everybody does, but I'm interested in yours. I'm I'm fine with the way they set it up. Now, I think we've talked we've probably talked about this years ago, but I, or, or at the very least, we talked about it in person. Yeah, I preferred the old old way when they just picked two teams and they played each other, you know, just any okay. team when, right, they, right. when they didn't have a playoff. Now that yeah, they have a not... playoff, I'm fine with it. And it's probably better that it's going to 12 than it is before, but yeah, they, what's all about that money. Right. Right. It, it's fine yeah. that they leave Florida state out. And a lot of people, you know, cause a lot of people, the opinion, no, well, you know, they went 13 and no, they got to be in. And it's like, okay, if I would, I would say that if the NCAA ran the college football playoff, that's the way it would be 
Whereas if you went undefeated and won your conference championship, and if it was yep. one of the big five, yep. you'd be in the playoff and there'd be no questions about it. But you pointed out, you already mentioned the money, the television networks, you know, kind of run this, they do run the playoff. And yep. so, yeah, they're going to pick the four teams that are going to provide the most viewership and the most competitive games. Yep. Florida state showed without uh, the quarterback uh, Travis uh, yep. that, they can't score, you know, like they, 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 they had real trouble scoring against Louisville, had a great yep. defensive effort to win the game. Um, that's why they kept them out and put Alabama and it's, it's tough to keep an sec team out. It's kind of surprising that they kept Georgia out and let Alabama in, but maybe Alabama will get a few more eyeballs, Alabama, Michigan. That's a, you know, that's makes a lot of people's mouths water at that game. Yeah. I, I would assume, um, yeah, that's the way I feel. Like the four they yeah. picked make made sense to me. Well, the four they picked are going to make the, them the most money, right? Uh, Texas got a met, and Alabama and Michigan have uh, those are three of the top five fan bases in 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 the country, right? right. With like uh, Georgia and Ohio State probably being the other ones. Oh, right? whoa, you forgot about Notre Dame. Uh, well, all right. and USC's in there too, but well, not as much. Yeah, but, not uh, as much. Um, but okay, go ahead. Well, but yeah. you think? Uh, well, Fine. Which you're, one? you're at the very least, you're close. Yeah, I mean, so top six, and we'll call it. We'll call it <laughs> even. Um, so you, you they picked the yeah. I, I get why they did it. I know why they did it. It was money. Here's the thing, though. It's it was just, it's just full of contradiction, right? Like you're the message you're sending. If you if you by keeping Florida out, you're telling them the regular season doesn't matter, and you're telling them injuries right. are more important. And so that that's the message you send. Don't don't worry about the regular season. If they you don't put quit, they could have quit if they wanted to. Yeah, once, uh, Travis went out. Yeah, uh, if you if you don't put Texas in, then you're telling teams don't bother scheduling non-conference opponents because that doesn't matter, right? If you put Georgia and Alabama in instead, and at the same time. If you're putting the best four in, I think George is one of the best four teams in the country. Right? Right, so it's right. a contradiction in that approach of saying I put the best four in. Because so like it's just it's just contradiction after after contradiction after contradiction. And so uh it's an ugly mess uh that I'm I I I don't think the problem is gonna go away though. Like it's just gonna happen now with teams that are between 12 and 16. Yeah. So, right. There's going to so, be less outrage. I yes, think that, that, that will be the thing. Less outrage, less outrage, more money. Um, and so, <laughs> and it'll I, only be the top 11 teams. And then the 12th team will be from one of the non-power. I think that's what it is, right? They get one in. Did, did you see, um, they laid out a bracket of what it would, if they had, if they had put in the 12 team rules, based on how the committee had ranked them, they laid the bracket out like how it would have looked. It actually would have been a really cool playoff. But instead, we're at, we're left with this controversial uh, issue that, that everyone hates. And um, and it's it's a lot of fun to not have to cover. And so uh, that's, that's fun for me. Um, I'm not very happy that the, that uh, the Wolverines have to play Alabama right off the bat, but in all honesty, I, I listen. I'm also I also think in conspiracies with with NCAA, <laughs> right? Uh, look, 
what what's the worst case scenario? You have Jim Harbaugh who's cheated and you want to get back at let's Big put Al, let's put Alabama against him. I'm sure they would have loved to have put Georgia against. You know what I mean? Like I think that was purposeful. I think they they, they purposefully said we're going to put Michigan at one and we're going to put what we think is the best team against Michigan. And then they take Washington and they're making them travel to the south <laughs> basically like into tech, like, yeah. like that was purposeful as well I think. Like I they could have like it would have been a much more interesting and maybe better matchups if you would have had Bama, Washington, and, and and Michigan, Texas, but that's not what they wanted. I think that there was uh, I think there's conspiracies afoot in the NCAA, and everybody's cheating and everybody's skewing things the way they want, and and it's all about that money, right? Interesting theory, Eric, but I I mean maybe they play Michigan, Alabama because it's guaranteed matchup, but I would assume. Michigan Alabama would be a far more anticipated championship game yeah. than all the other combinations. I guess Alabama Texas. Well, I don't think because it's a rematch. I don't think they want Michigan in the final. Is what it is. That's why yeah. I'm saying they, they will take care of that on his own. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but I mean honestly, I think I think it, I, I I do think there is a let's give them the hardest path possible and. It's whatever. I mean, it, it I is what They'd it have is. To beat them anyways, though. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, oh no. But I think I. I'm just saying. I don't think they want him in the finals, and so, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong or anything be, in between. I'm just saying I'm playing a conspiracy card uh, on this one. They give him the one seed. They put him in the Rose Bowl. You know where they they feel more than at home, all that without many victories. Uh, but. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a good theory. I, I have nothing to disprove it. But you know, obviously, I'm biased, so I, I don't. I don't feel the same way. You know, after spending most of my life, you know, hearing nothing but praise for the Wolverines, now, now somehow the whole world has turned against them in this one. Oh story. no! I think. I think that's overblown. I think that that whole Michigan versus. I think that's overblown. Um, well, yeah, it, we cheated. Well, we they didn't cheat, you know, like the program cheated, and now it's like we're being wronged by everybody. Well, you cheated <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I think there is. I, I don't like that 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 when you know the players suffer, but like like you said, you got to beat you got to beat the teams anyways. I anyways. do think I do think there is though there is an agenda. Um, uh, against Jim Harbaugh, at least for this year. Um, and again, like I said, I don't care uh, one way or another, but it's... Uh, Sounds like you care a little bit. Well, no, it just makes sense, <laughs> right? Like, it just makes sense. Like, like if it was Urban Meyer, okay, and Urban Meyer was in the playoff, because we know it wouldn't be Ryan Day. Ryan, Ryan Day can't take him to the playoffs. Uh, I don't, they took you know. him to the playoffs last year. They almost no. beat Georgia. No, no, no. They I'm not a fan in. of theirs either, but they, what, what they, happened, happened. They backed in. They backed in. It was a, it was a played fluke. a whale of a game against Georgia. <laughs> CJ Stroud played a whale of a game. Everyone else was terrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, they had a Pro Bowl quarterback on their roster. It turned out, <laughs> yeah, that they didn't know that they didn't know how to use properly. But anyway, um, I think if the if the if every all the accusations were against Urban Meyer, I'd be saying the same thing. Like I think, I think that they have an ax to grind and and that's fine. 
and they, I think so. They're trying to like. I think they're trying to do it. You're gonna have two uh, two interesting coaches and and two of the more interesting the college best. coaches. Sure. Two yeah. two of the best, two of the product, you know, two of the most productive, two big time recruiters, but two guys that are also weird ducks. And so it's well, gonna yeah. be yeah. an interesting media week there as well. So, uh, but you know what? We don't have to talk about that until January. So uh, let's enjoy this Bears beatdown. Yeah. Uh, eh, it's not going to be a beatdown, but you know what I mean. Well, like, probably let's... keep it close. They, they, they've, they've found some, it seems there is a formula to uh, to challenge the Lions with. Certainly. Yeah, the Bears know it. And the, they it, help I, develop it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's... Can they close a game out? Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't. I, there's nothing that I've seen in the games that I've watched. And I have a lot of positive things to say about the Bears. So I'm not just, I'm not really, I'm really not just nitpicking. But, like, I just don't think they have that ability right now to close the to close the games out and, and when, they, you know, or step up when they need to win. They're, they're. It could end up costing uh, Justin Fields his spot with the Bears too. But in all honesty, if they trade Justin Fields because they're going to draft a quarterback, might not be the worst thing in the world for the Lions. Right. Well, we'll have to see how that all plays out as well. First <laughs> things first, to win at Soldier Field on Sunday. That's all we got, Eric. Do you have anything else? No, the only thing I was going to point out was it's uh, we're a week into December. And we haven't even uh, we haven't talked about the draft like really at all, which is no uh, need to. Is, no, yeah, it's kind of kind of nice. You're starting to see mock drafts come out from the different publications, and uh, it's it's starting to it's going to find your way its way into like people's you know on their on their computer screens and on their phones, and it's okay to look, but man, there's. First yeah, things, there's, once again, first things first. There's so much. In, a win on Sunday basically puts the Lions in the playoffs. They won't get the little X next to their name, but 10 wins should do it in the NFC because it looks like the seven seed's going to have nine. You know, like yeah. anything can happen, but definitely two wins puts the Lions in the playoffs. So they're right on the edge of that. Uh, yeah, the, the magic number is three. Uh, the issue is... There's four six and six teams, and even if all of those teams lose, I think there's like uh, there's like a head there's something up with like a head to head or whatever I forget what it is because I think because they lost to the Packers and they lost to the Seahawks and those two are six and six teams so like it doesn't quite make it a, you can't close out a game this this week but if you win and those six and six lose. You're talking about uh, next week on the Saturday night game against Denver. That could be a potential playoff clinching scenario. And a that game crowd going crazy. Yeah. On national TV chance to clinch the division could all, it could all come into fold, but you got to win. Yeah, but look, what, look what happened on Thanksgiving. Here's the coronation. You see this team lose every year on Thanksgiving. They finally figured it out and they put it together. And then, no, 
not even close. <laughs> not even. So sadly, that's not tipping in the Lions' favor for Nick. Well, look, you you get the win in Soldier Field, and there's a lot of beautiful storylines that can set up next week that we can talk about. Right. All right, and then we'll leave that to next week. Draft wise, though, you you heard me this week. I want Tavondre Sweat from Texas. I want him <laughs> next to Lee McNeil in the trenches. I don't blame you. I mean, like he's a he's massive, right? Like he's. Uh... I like massive defensive tackles. The bigger, the better. <laughs> what I'm trying to remember how big he is. I'm gonna look it up here. Six four, three sixty, or six three, three sixty. Six you know, four. The number. Yeah, he's six four and change. Yeah. Yep. He's uh I highlighted him earlier this year. He's a big boy. He could be fun. He could be yeah. a lot of fun. So we but we'll talk about that and hopefully two months from now or so. <laughs> That's it for us this week. And until next time, let's go Lions.